0: Welcome everybody to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. Really going to have a fun class this evening as we dive into the ancient mysteries of Ireland. This is kind of a preview of our tour this coming summer, July 1st through the 9th 2022. And we still have a few spots left. I was on a podcast last night we were talking a little bit about the tour and they were like that sounds great you guys have any tickets left see actually we do have a few left so those listening to the audio podcast later and those watching the live presentation that have not yet signed up still can do so because we do have some tickets available you can go to mike go into the tour section you have the links there that'll take you right to that it's from Mysterious Adventures Tour, so you can also go to the Mysterious Adventures Tours website and find out more information. So, all right, our class question for this evening was: Oh, and let me get the uh, the banner off here. Uh, which mysterious location in Ireland would you most want to visit, and why? So. Uh Anseline responded to this particular question. She said, Loftus Hall. It is said that the devil himself was there and he even played a game of cards with those that owned it at the time. So I did grab a photo of Loftus Hall. And there is the building. We are not visiting this one on the tour, but uh, has the, in, the interesting history of the devil playing a game of cards. And I do want to read this little story because it's kind of interesting because it ties into research that I did years ago. So the story is one evening in 1775, Charles Tottenham was resting in his home with his second wife and daughter from his first marriage, Anne, while the Loftus family were away on business. During a storm, a ship unexpectedly arrived at the Hook Peninsula where the mansion was located. A young man was welcomed into the mansion. Anne and the young man became very close. One night, the family and mysterious man were in the game room playing cards. In the game, each player received three cards, apart from Anne who was only dealt two by the mystery man. A butler serving the Tottenham family at the table was just about to question the man when Anne bent down to pick up another card from the floor, which she must have dropped. It is said that when Anne bent down to pick up the card, she looked beneath the table and saw the, that the mysterious man had a cloven foot. So this is one of those interesting legends of the devil coming to play cards. I covered a similar story when I wrote the book Ghosts of Maryland, and the uh, the house was one of the Snowden homes there in Laurel, Maryland. It was called Oakland, still there. Uh, they, have, they run paranormal investigations out of there, and a lot of interesting history about the house a lot of ghost sightings and things like that the interesting story with the devil coming to play cards is um four gentlemen playing cards they were having a an amazing time uh one of the uh one of the players got called away uh some sort of emergency and the other guys were really upset because they had such a great game going you know they're boozing it up and uh money's going all over the place they're having a great time And one of them declared, well, you know, we'll keep playing even if the devil has to come play with us. Shortly thereafter, there's a knock on the door. A weary traveler wants to, uh, you know, he he needs to to rest, get something to eat, all that. They invite him in, and they invite him into the card game. So they're playing all night long into the next day, into the next night. And the mysterious traveler ends up winning it all. So he collects his winnings, goes to leave, and as he's walking out the door, they see a tail under his coat, and they get a whiff of brimstone as he walks out. So interesting how you get these devil coming to play cards type of tales from, and that was another one from the colonial times. So might need to do a little more research into where those stories originate because there's always a grain of truth somewhere and then as the story proliferates out from region to region it kind of you know takes another shape and changes form so all right before i get into like uh locations of where we're going to be going for this trip as we're talking about ancient mysteries of ireland i want to get into some of those interesting legends of the land and so we are going to start with fairies. It's a, this is one of those interesting supernatural phenomenon that people report really kind of all over the world, including here in the United States. But you see a lot of this type of lore really originate with Ireland. And it's one of the things I'm going to be kind of looking for while we are out there because I have seen some of these types of what we would probably call fairies Uh, here. Really uh, one was out in the woods, kind of like this photo here, but they were blue instead of yellow. And they, you know, there are blue fireflies. They're in the Carolinas during the summertime, but these were up in New York and it was late September. So, they couldn't have been fireflies, and we were actually down there on the ground because we are seeing them kind of uh, slowly morph into being, and then they dissipate and then morph into being and dissipate. And the ones that were in the air were just twinkling uh, just very fast. We're getting out our cameras and trying to take photos and video, and, and we've got different types of cameras, like infrared, full spectrum. The only t- type of camera we could get it on was just a regular video camera but it's dark at night uh there's a little faint blue in that clip Um, it's on the hunter road media youtube channel and i'll refer back to that here in a moment but okay when it comes to fairies people talk about you know the fairy rings and we see these types of things uh quite extensively out in in ireland where you see the ring of mushrooms like that well This is actually a very natural phenomenon with, uh, with mushrooms. So there is the, the actual plant itself or fungus itself, I'm sorry, is uh, mycelium, which actually grows underground. This is a cross section of that. And the, uh, the actual mushroom itself is the ring, or I'm sorry, the ring (laughs) is the fruit off of the mycelium. So you know, like you have an apple tree, you have the tree, and then all of a sudden, you know, the apple grows out, and that's the, the fruit. Well, the mushroom is the fruit of the mycelium that's underground, and it pops up. And the reason why it makes that circle like that is that's the way it naturally uh, gathers nutrients. So just kind of dispelling the whole thing that if you see a ring of mushrooms, that it means fairies are around. That's just the natural way that uh, that mushrooms grow. But those legends still persist. And we also see them persist in what we call ring forts. And there are many of these around Ireland. So I'm not sure how many we may see along our travels uh, while we're out there. And we have a lot of castles and things like that uh, on our to-do list. But some of these ring forts are on the same property as, as castles, and some of them actually have, um, I thought this was one, but some of them actually have like roads and things like that going through them because people didn't realize that the ring forts were there because they had deteriorated so much. Um, But you have these legends that the fairies lurk around these different forts. But really what they were, were they were, um, they were for protection from invaders around the land. So, Uh, You know, you'd have a small hamlet, you know, different farmers and things like that. And they needed some sort of protection. So they would build these ring forts uh, and, you know, keep some sort of defenses there. But then they were eventually abandoned and fell to ruin. And you had, you know, trees sprout up and things like that. And then, of course, that attracted the different fairy legends. This persisted into at least the late 1800s. So people are probably familiar with the story of of Michael Cleary, who uh, murdered his wife, Bridget. He thought that she had become uh, replaced by fairies. So one of the fairy legends was that you could become kidnapped by a fairy and a fairy would then morph into your doppelganger and take your place. And he had it in his head that this had, this had happened to her and he would not believe his wife that she was really who she was. And he unfortunately murdered her. Very, very famous case, 1895. That's taking it, you know, really very too far. Uh, But, you know, you see here in the news article putting out the fairies. Um, some people were, you know, trying to claim and and, and call her a witch. These sorts of things. Uh, so very, very sad tale. It's kind of like right up there uh, with, with the Lizzie Borden uh, tales from America. In fact, they didn't happen too far apart in time. Uh, you also had, geez, that was a really, you know, 1890s, a uh, terrible time. So you had Lizzie Borden, you had... Uh, uh michael and bridget cleary you had the h.h holmes murders uh bizarre uh area of time and jack the ripper you know so crazy crazy period of time okay um some of the other you know types of ancient legends of the day uh you have the the banshee the banshees uh, these are usually seen as a harbinger of death they're uh, they're wailing Uh, Sometimes they're very unusually tall, wearing gray or white, red eyes from weeping. Uh, This depiction, you know, kind of a creepy one that I just grabbed off the internet real quick, you know, bleeding eyes. They don't really talk about bleeding eyes. It's red eyes. I think they went a little overboard here. Uh, But they say that the singing or wailing could be a sign of a family death or a family death was about to happen, hence harbinger of death. Uh, It could be heard over long distances. Uh, I remember growing up with the... uh, uh, with the Disney movie, what was that, uh, uh, Darby, was it Darby O'Gill and the little people, something like that, but it had the Banshee in it. You can hear the Banshee wailing, uh, on the wind. And, uh, that always kind of spooked me when I was a kid. Uh, also there in Ireland, they do talk about shadow people, some very famous poems. Francis Ledwidge, uh, actually had a poem, the shadow people, William Butler Yeats had a poem, the shadowy waters. Uh, and then of course the leprechaun legends, we're well, not, legends. I'm not going to get into all of these different things. Just kind of wanted to give a little taste before we got into uh, some of these other things. So um, for leprechauns, I would say refer to the Flores Hobbit. So the Indonesian island of Flores that had the small uh, hobbit type of, um, or they call them hobbit, but they're basically smaller humanoid people that had lived there. And they found those remains uh, about 20 years ago. And, um, I have some theories of how that could be related to some of the leprechaun legends in Ireland. We're not going to get into all that this evening. So because we have a lot of other things to uh, to get into and to talk about. So a lot of other things around Ireland. We have the Cairns and Dol- Dolmens. We're going to see some of those uh, on our Ireland tour. So these are you know, some of the ancient burial sites, which are absolutely fascinating. One that we've talked about here uh, a few times now over the past several months past year, is Drumbeg Stone Circle. Uh, We did cover this in our uh, Stone Circle class that we had, what was that, a couple months ago now? So just kind of a uh, uh, review of this. It's a small axial stone circle, Cork County, Ireland. We're gonna be doing a lot in in County Cork. In fact, we're gonna be spending a lot of time in the city of Cork itself. Uh, There are 13 stones currently there, uh, they believe that they're originally 17. So when we talk about an axial stone circle, what's meant by this is a megalithic ring of stones. Uh, and it is aligned in a specific way. So this is aligned in a northeast to southwest direction. And it contains a stone at the southwest side that lies down horizontally. Uh, I don't think you can really see it in this photo. But that's what marks the axis. Let me try the other photo here. No, there was a third photo that I had that I did not upload, but this is a beautiful night shot. Uh, those listening to the podcast, uh, the audio version later on, if you come join us to, connect to portal.com, you can see all these wonderful photos. Sometimes we do some uh, video segments and things like that too. Uh, and then of course you can interact with the, with the class and ask your questions and all that great stuff. So uh, with the circle, there are two portal stones. That marked the entrance of the circle and at the winter solstice, the portal stones and the axial stone are aligned with the setting sun. So uh, this is aligned uh, winter solstice and you see other other formations around Ireland and really the world that align with different solstices. So, uh, you know, we talk about Stonehenge, Newgrange, things like this. They align with that winter solstice. What's interesting that's a little bit different is that, then like Newgrange, uh, Drombeck's Stone Circle is aligned with the setting sun, while Newgrange is aligned with the rising of the sun. Uh, Again, both on the winter solstice. So kind of interesting how it's still related to the winter solstice, but a little differently. So, according to an old Celtic myth, on the solstices of each year, the oak king representing the light and the holly king representing the dark would fight with the oak king emerging victorious at the winter solstice, solstice, enabling the return of the light Uh, celebration is of the shortest day and longest night of the year also marks the return of the light as the days begin to lengthen once once more which is seen as an occasion of rebirth and renewal hence why we have so many different deities suddenly being born at that time um you know the most famous these days of course being jesus but then you look back into uh, other religions mithras which is uh, Mithraism is basically that holiday is kind of where they started celebrating Christmas. Um, we'll get into that rabbit hole. But that's where that stuff uh, originates out of. So, all right. So that is Drombeg Stone Circle. I'm really looking forward to that. And one of the things I want to take note of while we're there, uh, we did a, uh, a special presentation with Ann Massey uh, some months ago kind of highlighting some of the different things about Ireland and Anne is is from Ireland. She lives there and we're hopefully going to meet up with her somewhere along the tour. Uh, she does the Spooky Isles uh, tours and things like that there. And one of the things that she noticed about the Drumbeg Stone Circle area is there is a lot of uh, thorny type plants there. And why that's significant is we find that a lot of these different megalithic sites that have uh, you know, that type of earth energy that you know, rises up out of the ground and they're able to utilize it uh, with different stone circles. In Egypt, we see a lot of the different, uh, you know, whether it's different pyramids or temples that have that thorny plant that's growing out of it. Uh, when we were in Egypt last year, Mohammed was really keen to point this out at different sites. And so when Anne mentioned it on uh uh, being there at Drombeg, I was like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." You know, always trying to connect and put the pieces together. So, okay, on to Newgrange. Now, Newgrange is not a part of our tour, unfortunately. It's kind of in the opposite direction of all the other stuff that we're going to be doing, so it didn't end up on the itinerary. However, after the tour. Uh, we get back on the 9th. I'm taking an extra day on the 10th to head on up there and go check it out. Uh, you know, it kind of makes sense. You know, ancient mysteries of of Ireland, and you got to go to Newgrange. I've, I've talked about this site uh, many, many times. Not yet been there, of course, because I've not yet been to Ireland. Uh, but a lot of the different astronomical alignments, uh, the symbolism on the site, these sorts of things, Kind of really ties into a lot of the research that we've been doing in the connected universe. So, okay, what is Newgrange? So this is a Neolithic mound constructed about 5,200 years ago, around 3,200 B.C. At least that's what they're estimating the dates at. Archaeologists have dubbed it a passage tomb, while others, including Newgrange's official site, have dubbed it an ancient temple based on its astrological, spiritual, and ceremonial importance. So you can see how within, you know, these different communities they conflict. So you have the archaeologist saying one thing, the actual Newgrange official site saying something else. So, uh, again, astronomically aligned to the winter solstice. Uh, Those that want to go see it on the winter solstice, which uh, the, the fascinating part about that, is that the the light streams in through the passage so basically through the doorway there down the passageway and you know it hits a, a certain part of the wall all the way in the inside they actually have a lottery for people uh you put your name basically you put your name into the hat and if your name gets pulled then you are one of the lucky participants to go down there on the winter solstice and experience this uh, from what I've heard, it's it's absolutely fascinating and beautiful. So um, other interesting aspects of what's going on here, uh, we covered this a bit with the Egypt and Ireland Connections class, which was back in, I think that was back in December when we did that, it would have been like the beginning of December, where we examined how there's a lot of interesting connections between Egypt and Ireland that you wouldn't, Normally suspect, but they're actually there, and Newgrange is one of those locations. So, uh, DNA from a middle-aged man buried there, again about 3,200 BC, so uh, which is when the mound was constructed. So, uh, it was basically uh, constructed around this this tomb. Uh, This man, his genes indicated that his parents were so closely related that they must have been brother and sister or parent and child. So I have a quote here, and that's significant for a reason here. the uh, quote here from a paper published in the scientific journal Nature back in June 2020. So it's, you know, actually quite recent, you know, within two years. Uh, it says, matings like that are taboo pretty much universally with very few exceptions. Those exceptions include Egyptian pharaohs who were considered deities who needed to marry each other. Royal siblings in Hawaii and the Incan Empire were also known to marry, concentrating power in one family. We're seeing a similar social dynamic at play among colonists of Neolithic Ireland. So the idea here is that the natives of Ireland did not have these incestuous type of relationships. But we have seen in the past these connections between Ireland and Egypt, uh, several of them actually. And so if this type of relationship was happening there in Ireland, it was likely a uh, transplanted family from Egypt because that is the established connection. You you don't have a connection between Ireland and Hawaii, but Ireland and Egypt. Yes. So this is where they're going with that. Uh, Also at Newgrange, uh, we've talked about it many times in Stargates and portals episodes uh, these swirl uh, these swirl symbols that uh, in we've seen them represent things like portals in the past could possibly be Stargates but we see this symbolism in many cultures all over the world and sometimes they um, Like Chaco Canyon, Southwest United States, New Mexico. Uh, They were specifically drawn like that to represent those portals to the star people. Uh, So people that come from the stars to earth and utilize this technology to access earth. So again, we have a uh, a couple of different classes on stargates and portals. And of course the... um, the one on Egypt and Ireland, which again reiterates some of this. So I'm not going to dive into all of that here. Just kind of mentioning it. So okay, fifteen down, 15, 15 miles down the road uh, from Newgrange is Tara. So another place want to hit while out there at Newgrange. Go fifteen miles, hit Tara. All right. So what's going on at Tara? So. Excavations here at the mound of Terra go back to 1955, so I, I, you got to love the cross sections, right? Uh, so there's the uh, there's the Terra mound today. Here it is in 1955 when they were excavating. Quite a big difference. Uh, so interesting, uh, interesting things found here. Uh, archaeologist Dr. Sean o- Oriordan I hope I'm saying that, Riordan, uh, of Trinity College, found skeletal remains of a young boy, about 15 years old, carbon dated to around 1350 B.C. Also with this boy was a necklace uh, made of faience beads. Again, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, But they matched the design and manufacture of Egyptian beads. The collar matched the collar laid around the neck of King Tut, who lived during the same time as the boy found in Ireland. So again, another interesting Ireland and Egypt connection, where you're seeing, hey, here's a necklace that is found on this boy at the same time that King Tut was around, and he had a very similar necklace. Uh, So... uh, Things like that are really, really fascinating. We start making those sorts of connections. Uh, he also found, re- or re-ordered and found, evidence of an earlier structure under the mound. So this was built on top of an already pre-existing structure, and you find a lot of that in antiquity, where you know they build on a site because there's already something else there, and they are either, uh, you know, a couple of different things going on when those things happen when they build on top of a site. One, uh, it may be might have invaders that are you know trying to uh spread their influence over specific people so we're going to take your religious sites and put our own religion on top of it you see that at uh karnak and luxor it's like ridiculous you have what three different legend religions on top of each other boom 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 Um, but but they do that it also could be that well we're not necessarily trying to take over your religion or you know, they might find an abandoned site with something that's there. It's like, okay, this was somebody's holy site, so it must have some power we're going to build on top of it. Or their original uh, pre-existing people may already, you know, know this is a site of power, but we feel the energy there. So there's um, several different reasons so you know, why they might be building a site like that. So um, there's more information there on the beads. I'm not going to dive into all that Again, referring back to the uh, the Egypt and Ireland class that we did back in December. More information on that uh, back then. But uh, very, very similar to also the samples found in Abydos in Egypt as well. So, um, yeah, I love those sorts of connections. Okay. Neither one of those, Newgrange or Terra, are on the tour. But... Um, I'm going to head up there on Sunday, the 10th, or could even be Saturday, the 9th. So we get into Dublin in the morning on the 9th. So it just kind of depends on transportation tour to head up there. There was a tour that I was looking into, uh, to go up there to, to New Grange and Terra and all that, that started early in the morning. They picked you up on their little bus. Uh, so the 9th was out, I was looking to do it the 10th. They were all filled up. So looking for other ways to get up there, either one of those two days to do all of that. Come join. All right. This one here is on the list. Lep Castle. And we're going to be doing an investigation here as well. So this dates back to the 16th century. Uh, A lot of people call it the most haunted castle in Ireland. Uh, There is the... Entity known as the elemental here. Um, so this is this is something that was never human. Uh, you know, there are different types of elementals: air, earth, fire, water. So this is most likely a uh, an earth elemental, and it creeps around and does nasty things. That's the legend. So there's the Obliette, which is a hole in the chapel. An Obliette is a hole in the chapel used to store valuables. Uh, But the Obliette at Lep Castle was converted into what some have called a murder hole. Uh, It's because of all the skeletons that they found at the bottom of it. So essentially what happened at some point in this building's history is you had the Obliette in the chapel and whatever conflict was going on at the time, they were throwing people down there to serve as really like a dungeon. And some people died there and they left them there. And so um, so they called this the murder hole. Activity, paranormal activity, apparently was kicked up when renovations were going on, and they they didn't at first know that these skeletons were down there. You know, they're doing some renovations or digging things, and they find the skeletons. Apparently, after that happened, after they dug up some of these skeletons, that's when the activity, these hauntings and things like that, started happening there. A couple of different uh, ghostly girls there as well. Uh, Emily and Charlotte are their names. They also have a governess that's there. Uh, and there's an, also an old man that at that at times is seen with Emily and Charlotte. So governess may be seen with the old man. Emily and Charlotte may be seen. Or I'm sorry. Uh, governess may be seen with Emily and Charlotte. Or the old man may be seen with Emily and Charlotte. Um, but apparently they're on the stairs a lot too. So that when we go there, keep on the lookout for them. Um, there's also the red lady she roams the halls dressed in red carrying a dagger a couple of different reasons there are a couple of different stories as to what may have happened to her so um one is that uh, she was she was raped delivered a baby, killed the child and herself um, we unfortunately see a lot of those types of stories in haunted locations all over the world. That really tragic tale. Um, There's also a story that a member of the O'Carroll family uh, was fighting over her. She tried to flee uh, and they chased and stabbed her. So not sure how that got out of hand where they ended up stabbing her rather than each other. But these different members of the family were fighting over her and ended up killing her rather than each other. So we'll get more details to those stories when we are actually there. But that's supposed to be the most haunted castle in Ireland. All right. One of the most famous structures, not technically a castle, um, but it's called Rock of Cashel. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful. uh, What would you call this? I guess just location. (laughs) Um, But... Okay, so Rock of Castle is also known as the Castle of Kings and St. Patrick's Rock. Uh, the first main structures were built on the site. Uh, they were erected in the 4th or 5th century AD. It was also once the seat of the High Kings of Munster prior to the Norman invasion in the early, th- or the early 12th century. So, uh, So yes, there were several kings that actually lived here for a while, even though it wasn't technically a castle, it was still their home. Uh, where they lived. So legend claims it was a place where St. Patrick baptized King Angus in AD 448. Uh, so this is why they end up calling it uh, St. Patrick's rock uh, because this is where uh, his legend really starts to take shape and, and play out. So there's also some interesting local legends as far as the, the actual rock structure of the Rock of Cashel. So this here is what's known as Devil's Bit. <clears throat> it's a mountain. So according to the legends, you see this, okay, you see that gap there between the, the two peaks. So according to legends, uh, when St. Patrick banished Satan from a cave within that mountain, it resulted in the uh, basically, the rock step back a second. Um, the, the cave and the surrounding rock essentially were blown out of the mountain when he banished Satan. And when that rock was blown out, it resulted in the rock landing where the rock of Cashel currently is. So, if you look at There's Rock of Cashel. There's the building on top of, you see this massive rock outcropping. So the legend is, is that um, when St. Patrick's performed this work, it blew that rock out of this chunk of mountain and it landed here. When we go there, we'll see the countryside and how all of that looks and plays out. So you can see, you know, why they, why they had this as a uh, legend. So, okay. Um, And they call it, I guess they call it the devil's bit because it looks like a bite was taken out of it. So, kind of interesting, the the different legends. Um, Or there's also the legend, there's a couple different legends associated with this, that uh, the devil actually broke his tooth taking a bite out of the mountain, and he spat the rock, over here at the Rock of Cashel to where it now stands. So it's either St. Patrick or the Devil, but this is why they call it the Devil's Bit. There's also a magnificent cemetery there uh, at the location, which we will definitely explore while we are there. Um, you know, you get the old, you know, Gothic headstones and things like that. A magnificent, magnificent location. Okay. So moving on, if you guys have any questions or anything, feel free to uh, throw them down in the chat. I know you guys are probably just enjoying all the photos and everything, but if you have any questions on anything, please throw them down there. All right, so moving on to Charleville Castle. Okay, Charleville Castle, this was built uh, early 19th century, so it's a little bit of a newer castle. You know, not like some of these ones that are going back to the you know, 14th century, or we saw Rock of Castle going back to you know 4th century AD. It's um, a little bit newer. But there's some interesting and, of course, tragic history with it. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting about this castle when we go to explore is actually the grounds. Uh, so sur- Surrounding the castle, you see all these magnificent trees and fields and things like that um the surrounding oak forest was once home to the druids and contains a druid circle apparently sometimes a ghostly hooded figure is seen on the grounds lurking about that's supposed to be associated with that circle so this is another location with a circle that we are going to explore Again, I, I love the whole circles. Even we're going to Blarney Castle. And apparently Blarney Castle has one of these things too. So we will also check that out while we, we are there. I'm not featuring Blarney Castle here this evening. But that is one of the locations that we're going to go. Feel free to kiss the Blarney Stone. Apparently they do wipe it down and sanitize it after each kiss. So you don't have to worry about uh, that sort of thing. But um, just kind of pointing out here again that you, know, you find people building these structures on or near these different sites that have these circles and and other uh, types of more revered locations. Even though they may have a different belief system, they still know this is sacred land. And so because this is sacred land, I want to build here. So, okay, Charlottesville Castle. Um, There is the tale of the little girl there, uh, haunted by Harriet. Very, very young when she passed, uh, age of eight. She lost her grip sliding down the main balustrade. Uh, basically sliding down the railing uh, on the main stairwell. And she fell and and died, unfortunately. So, but she's been seen along the stairs. And sometimes she can be heard singing throughout the castle. So, they see her apparition. They hear her singing. Um, The first Earl of Charleville has also been seen uh, walking the tower. And there's two towers, so I'm not sure which one. We'll find out more details when when we go there. Um, Just beyond the spot where Harriet met her uh, sad demise, there's a room resembling a small library, and I'm really interested in this. Uh, It's said that the Burys who built the castle were involved with the Freemasons, and local legend says that this room was used for Masonic purposes so could have been used for uh, rituals tour guys uh, say that women were not allowed into that room uh, back in the day and many female visitors to that room claim claim to have had strange experiences uh, including footsteps walking around them within the room and others saying that their hair uh, gets pulled by phantom hands so Again, it's it's a room I'm very interested in because I have some Masonic ties back in my family history. But um, that would be a, a room that would have, with their different rituals and things that they carried down with them over the centuries, there may be some esoteric symbolism within that room that you might be able to find and pick out. Like, okay, this means this, this means that, that sort of thing. Uh, which is truly, truly fascinating. Now, unfortunately, with this castle, kind of updates to the whole tour for this summer. Um, When the tour was first put together, it was 2020. It was two years ago. We had to delay everything a year. We were actually supposed to go uh, last July. That ended up not happening. Um, Technically... Uh, we could have, but Ireland was still in flux with different things being shut down. Like you couldn't go to a pub, uh, last year at that time, they finally opened those back up. I think it was September. Uh, but now everything's wide open there, uh, in, in Ireland, you don't even need like a negative test or whatever to get into the country. They're just like, Hey, come on in. But, uh, Charlottesville castle has changed up a few things. And and there's, there's a, Couple of these on on the trip. So there's no longer the paranormal investigation at Charleville Castle because they're just not doing investigations there anymore for the time being. So we've had to change that. And there was also another castle that we were supposed to be doing, uh, Desmond Castle, that is just like during this whole time, they decided they, they were gonna do restoration and reconstruction. So they're just not even open at all at the moment. Two years ago when we set everything up, they were. So, a couple of a couple little changes like that. That there's nothing you can do about because it just changed the rules at these locations during during this time. So we're still going to uh, get what they're calling an extended tour of Charlottesville and you know we'll get time where we can spend extra time in some of these different rooms and and, and do a few things there. So, um, so just to kind of update you guys. Um, all right. And, and Anne says the presentation is wonderful it makes me even more excited to, uh, for the trip. Awesome. Awesome. So yes, I'm definitely really looking forward to this. All right. So let's move on to Charles Fort. Uh, this is you know, historic uh, fort for the Ireland's army. And it's extremely haunted. <laughs> so it was built in the 1670s. It was yeah, a few hundred years old. It's often visited by the White Lady of Kinsale. So another very tragic legend. So in the 1870s, Wilful—Wilful—it's almost kind of a mouthful. Wilful Warrender was a young woman married to an officer named Sir Trevor Ashhurst. One day, Ashurst swapped places with a sentry who he sent to fetch flowers on his wedding day. Now, why he couldn't just go get the flowers himself? I don't know. I mean, was he just being lazy and didn't want to you know, walk outside the premises of the fort to go and get the flowers himself, pick them out for her? No. He tells the sentry, you go out there and get the flowers. I'm going to take your spot here. I'm kind of being lazy. Uh, in any case... Wilful's father, the commander of the fort, saw the sentry asleep. So, this uh, this guy, Trevor Ashurst, fell asleep at the sentry's post, and then the commander of the fort, who happened to be his girlfriend's father, sees him asleep and shoots him. That's a pretty harsh penalty. Being asleep. I mean, you know, take a few laps, maybe find yourself in a cell for a day, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots him. Hey. Right. And kills him. He dies from this gunshot wound. Of course, the father realizes afterward that he just shot his son in law to be. So when Willful discovered what had happened, she leapt to her death from the battlements. And you can see from the battlements here in this photo, uh, those go down some rocky cliffs. Uh, Not good. I couldn't tell you which specific battlement it is, but she threw herself off of one into uh, the rocks below. Following that, this trail is totally, uh, or this tale is totally tragic. After she does that, the commander, ends up shooting himself. So, you have the commander shoots his son-in-law to be. In her grief, um, Wilfold jumps off the battlements to her own death, and then once she's gone, the commander takes his own life. So you have these three tragic deaths that are just ridiculous. Um... Very, very sad. All because the guy didn't want to go get the flowers himself. So ever since then, uh, Wilfo reappears as the White Lady of Kinsale. And she roams the grounds there uh, at uh, at Charles Fort. She's been seen walking through locked doors. She's been seen walking on the battlements. Um, so she's in and around the the fort quite a lot. And you can see this is an absolutely huge fort. Uh, We're going to get our walking in, get some steps in that particular day. All right. And then finally, I say finally, but there are other locations we're going to. These are just the ones that I selected for tonight's class. Then there is Spike Island in Cork. Uh, This is known as the Alcatraz of Ireland. During the famine era... It held 2,300 inmates, Uh, so they would really pack them in there. Now, this does not have the capacity, really, to fit 2,300, but they did. Um, There's a mass grave on the island. 1,300 bodies are in the graves on the islands. Over the years, soldiers have fired at phantom intruders. People have seen strange shapes and fogs, including the 1980s when prison guards reported prisoners complaining of a black entity visiting their cells at night. So this is an extremely haunted island, and uh, we're going to have the run of the place, uh, the the one particular uh, night that we're there. So that's going to be a uh, a fascinating place to visit. It's... um, it actually predates Alcatraz. and This is funny with the naming of different things. It predates Alcatraz, but they call it the Alcatraz of Ireland. Go figure that. It's, it's kind of like, um, I, I mentioned it during the Alaska Triangle stuff, where uh, it's kind of funny where the Lake Iliamna uh, monster, which is named Ili, they say it's a Loch Ness monster of Alaska. And it predates Loch Ness. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, humorous stuff. So, all right. Um, so, yeah, Nicole, Spike Island, I've always wanted to go. You guys are going to have the best trip this summer. You should come join us. It would be a great time. And then, yeah, Spike Island is going to be incredible. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very, very interesting there. So, um, you know, other locations that we're going to go, um, Jameson Distillery uh, let's see where else I mentioned, uh, Blarney castle. Um, there's Kahir castle. So there's a lot of castles that we're hitting, you know, it's kind of our, uh, motif, uh, with this. So we're going to hit some of the different Karen's and Dolments, like I said earlier. And, uh, so it's going to be an absolutely amazing time. Uh, this finished up a little early with my presentation, so I could have actually fit a couple more in. I didn't think I was going to, um, I didn't think I was going to blow through all that as quickly as I did. So, uh, if you guys have any more questions about some of these locations or the trip, uh, go ahead and throw those questions down there in the chat. Uh, you can you can find out more information for those again listening to the podcast later, uh, or if you are watching on uh, Connected Universe Portal and you haven't signed up yet to find out all that information at uh, MysteriousAdventuresTours.com, uh, which is the tour company's website or you can go to my website MikeRickSecker.com, go into the tour section and you'll find it there uh, along with the uh the ancient uh, the stargates of ancient Egypt tour which is next February and you know we kind of uh you know pointed out that there are all these connections between Ireland and Egypt. And so we'll explore some of those while we are in Ireland and uh you can you can see some of those when you're actually in Egypt. It's not you know Ireland specifically named out, but you can see, okay, this is something that they you know found over there in Ireland. Um yeah, I would say not really a kid-friendly trip. No. Um sorry, Jen. But um yeah, cause some of the different things that we're doing, especially there at like Spike Island, um I would say not. So um yeah. So I would I would say teenager or older, you know. So all right. So I guess we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up a little early. Uh next week wanna let you know we are actually starting a day early. I know this one was a day late. Um it's this is the whole reason why I ended up uh ending edge of the rabbit hole, the, uh, the weekly show that we did interviewing guests on the edge of the rabbit hole YouTube channel, because my schedule has just been nuts. Uh, so we rescheduled from last night to tonight because of a, uh, of an interview that I was asked to do. Problem was I ended up double booking for last night. (laughs) Um, somehow that got all screwed up. So one of those, we had to push to next Wednesday. But I'm also doing another interview next Thursday. So I'm shifting next week's class from Wednesday to Tuesday. So I know. Join us weekly on Wednesdays, except this week is Thursday and next week is Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, Crazy stuff, I know. Um, But in any case, just wanted to let you guys know that. So next week, join us Tuesday. And we should be back to... No. I was about to say we should be back to our regular scheduled program, but no, because the following week I'm in Boulder, Colorado, uh, filming with uh, Gaia TV. I wait a second. Let me think about this here. No, I fly out Thursday. No, it should be good. We'll be good the next week. Yeah. So <laughs> I fly out Thursday. So we'll, we'll be good that particular week. See, I'm getting all kinds of. <laughs> it's a busy schedule. All right, everybody. You have a good night. Till next time, if time really exists.